All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Sri Prabhupada. Namaste, Saraswati Deva, Gorvani Bhutani, Nivisayasasunavani, Paskajyanti, Satani, Vandeham, Shri Guru, Shri Uta, Parikamalam, Shri Guru, Nivaishvamsha, Sri Rupam, Sagrata, Tam, Sahagana, Raganatam, Bitam, Sam, Satibam, Sadvoitam, Sadvodutam, Parishana, Saita, Krishna, Chaitanya Deva, Shri Radha, Krishna, Padam, Sahagana, Lalita, Shri Vishakam, Bitamsha. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya have some of the lights off that would be nice so again I'm going to try to speak very slowly uh, oh this is May 6 2014 in Golokadam Germany we're going to be meditating on Srimad Bhagavatam chapter 10 Canto 10 chapter 32 this is the conversation between Krishna and the gopis when he returns to Ras Lila. We're going to be doing this in three parts over three days. So I'm going to try to speak very slowly. If there's anything you don't understand, please ask. Stop me and ask. Okay? Agreed? Don't just say, what did she say? What did she say? Ask me and I'll work at it until we understand. at the time of Lord Ramachandra and when they saw Lord Ram they were thinking oh we would like to marry Lord Ramachandra we'd like to be one of his consorts and the Lord indicated to them that they could become his consorts later on when he appeared as Krishna now of course Krishna appeared much later than Ramachandra right yes so, just imagine you're one of those sages seeing Lord Ram, and he indicates, yes, you can be my beloved when I appear as Krishna. So how many years are you waiting? Millions, yes? Five million, something like that? Five million years? I don't know exactly where they were waiting, if they stayed on the earth or they went to other planets or what form they were in, but they were waiting for something like five million years. After the time, Ram says, yes, I will accept you. In the time, they could actually become gopis. So just again, imagine 
that you're a sage in the Dandaka forest and you're waiting for five million years to take birth as a gopi. And then some of the other sadhana-siddha gopis, of course, were the personified Vedas. So these are the personalities from the various Upanishads and the Vedas, and they're seeing Krishna's leelas happening on the earth, and they're becoming attracted, and they want to join. But Krishna appears once in every day of Brahma, so they are waiting after seeing Krishna, after falling in love with him and achieving prema and wanting to become a gopi, they're waiting until the next day of Lord Brahma when they can take birth as gopis. So how long are they waiting for? How long is the day of Lord Brahma? Long time. <laughs> Maybe a few trillion years. Then you have to go through Brahma's night and again Brahma's day. So again, just imagine, you know, we come to the Hare Krishna movement and we're told you chant Hare Krishna, you follow the principles, at the end of this life you'll be able to go back to Godhead. So imagine, you know, if, if in our advertising we said join the movement, chant Hare Krishna, and after five million years <laughs> then you can join Krishna's pastimes. So they're waiting. They're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. And then, of course, they take birth as gopis. And then they do their Katyani Vrat. At the end of that month, Krishna takes their clothes and says, Later, one more year, and we'll dance together. So again, they're waiting another year. And then, as they're waiting and waiting, for millions and trillions of years engaging in bhakti, waiting for Krishna to call them. Finally, being gopis in Vrindavan. Then one night, Krishna finally calls them. And each gopi heard the flute just saying her own name. So they left their homes in the middle of the night. In those days in Vrindavan, they were tigers. Each gopi thought, oh, Krishna's only calling me. And their relatives tried to stop them. Finally, after millions or trillions of years of waiting, I'm finally going to get to be with Krishna. And when they got there to the forest, what did Krishna tell them? What did he tell them? Go home. Go home. Be a good wife. Follow the codes of Dharma. These were the personified Vedas. These were the personalities of the Vedas, the personalities of Dharma. Krishna was saying, go do your Dharma. Like, no. We're staying here. So Krishna said, okay. And they started laughing and playing. Enjoying the forest. 
finally they were with Krishna. Finally! They started to think, we are the most fortunate. No one is more fortunate than I am. After millions or trillions of years, I finally took birth as a gopi in Vrindavan and then I waited and waited and Krishna finally played his flute and I came and he told me to go home and I didn't. And he accepted me and he was with me. I am so fortunate. And then... All of a sudden, he was just gone. Just gone. Even from Radharani. From everyone, just gone. And then they went mad. They went so mad that they actually thought they were Krishna. And they were enacting Krishna's pastimes. They were asking the trees and the, the insects and the animals, where is he, where is he? Finally, they, they, they were with Krishna and then he leaves. Goodbye. Doesn't even say goodbye. Just leaves. And they're looking everywhere for him in the forest. Finally, it gets so dark, they go to a place where there's no moonlight. And they're worried if we keep looking for Krishna, he'll keep running away and then he'll hurt his feet in the darkness. So they just sat and sang. And then all of a sudden, he comes back. this about Krishna reciprocating or not reciprocating with us we may feel I do as much as I can I do my best, my very best to find Krishna and love him but maybe everything feels dry maybe there are some moments when Krishna is there and I feel oh Krishna is really here he really loves me and then it's gone and I, I can't hold on to them Maybe other devotees do the same things I do, and yet they have amazing realizations and experiences, and I have nothing. I'm wondering, you know, why does Krishna consciousness seem to work so differently for different people, and and why do I get, sometimes Krishna's right there, and sometimes everything is empty. What's going on here? We're going to be looking at this section from the Bhagavatam, the verses from the commentaries of the Acharyas, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, uh, Sridhar Swami, Jiva Goswami, and also Ananda Vrindavan Champu, and uh, to some extent Gopal Champu. So the gopis were thinking, what gentleman would, would call for his beloved and then say, go home again? What gallant hero would show his affection and then abandon his darling in the middle of the night in the jungle with the lions and the tigers? What hero would just neglect his heroine and not care that she's crying? 
said, you know, we, we show our love for him. Uh, we don't have any reservation about how much we love him. But why doesn't he reciprocate with us? Does he enjoy abandoning us in the dead of night? So we may also think like that. We may think, I'm just a victim. I'm giving everything to Krishna. It's not my fault that he doesn't reciprocate. There's just something wrong with him. We may even think that the process of bhakti is something mechanical. Well, let's see, if I just do this and this and this, then Krishna has to come, you know. Like some kind of machine. You put in your money and you press what you want and your candy bar comes out. So we might think like that. Just chant 16 rounds, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna. Wake up early. Krishna will just be there. And if he's not, then I think, what kind of a hero is he anyway? They said, we should ask him. But we should ask him very carefully. We're not going to ask him directly. That way he's going to be forced to admit that he's ungrateful. We'll just ask kind of a general question and that way, you know, he'll have to show what he's really like. So when Krishna came back, they were smiling at him and they were massaging his hands and feet in their laps. Also, some of the Acharyas say that maybe Krishna was also massaging their hands and feet. But they felt a little angry. And so very, very carefully, because they didn't want him to go away again, they spoke to him as follows. They said, we we have a question for you. Like it if you could give us some answers. We're, We're kind of confused here. You know, we're we're just village women and we don't really know much about what's right and what's wrong and we we think that you're really the only one because you're so learned who can answer it properly. So they wanted him to show with his own words that he was ungrateful. They were trying to trap him into into admitting that he was not very grateful and didn't reciprocate with them properly. And again, we may feel like that. We may feel like I'm giving everything to Krishna. Why isn't he grateful? Why isn't he reciprocating with me the way that I would like? So they asked him these questions. Now this is also very important to ask the Lord questions. So many times when Srila Prabhupada was asked by disciples about what to do or how to understand things. He would often say, you should ask Krishna. You should depend on Krishna. In the very beginning of the movement, Srila Prabhupada told the devotees to start a magazine. And they said, but Prabhupada, we've never started a magazine before. We don't know how to start a magazine. And Prabhupada said, Krishna will help you. Bhaktitirtha Swami would tell a similar story how he was talking to Prabhupada, how he just didn't know how to preach. I think it was in the communist countries. And Prabhupada said, you ask Krishna, he will help you. Depend on Krishna. So when we're confused, we should talk to Krishna. He's a person. 
Prabhupada says that Krishna is anxious to speak to us. Krishna is just waiting. When will they talk to me? Of course, we speak to Krishna in our chanting, we speak to Krishna in the authorized prayers, repeating the prayers of the Acharyas, but we can also go to Krishna, Krishna, I don't understand what you're doing. Please explain to me. Please help me to understand. It doesn't do very much good to try to understand on the level of logic, which is what the gopis are going to try to do here. They're going to present a very logical analysis to understand Krishna's actions and understand Krishna's mentality. And they're going to fail completely. When Krishna responds to their questions, his answers are going to be beyond logic, beyond even intuition. You know, what do we have materially? We have thoughts, we have our emotions, we have our intuitions, some people may have psychic powers. But Krishna is beyond all that. Even with your mystic powers and psychic powers, we can't really understand Krishna's motivation. We can't really understand Krishna's relationship with us, what's driving him. So better to just ask him. Let him say himself what he is. I mean, this is true even in our ordinary human relationships. So many times people may assume things about us that are not true. Yes? Has everyone had this happen? Somebody assumes something about you? Oh, I know how he's thinking. I know what he's doing. They guess. Hmm? They make a guess. And they believe that guess is the truth. But it's not the truth. And we wonder, why don't they ask us? Why doesn't someone just ask what were you thinking? What were you doing? And then after we, they ask, they should believe what we say. <laughs> so also we should treat Krishna like that and ask him. So my dear Krishna, they ask, who is the best person? Who is the most loving person? The gopis analyzed that there were three basic kinds of persons. So they said, all right, well, this first person is just the person who reciprocates whatever love is given to them. Now, these persons are calculating. Okay, let's see. You've done this for me. I'll do this for you. I remember hearing this kind of thing when I was growing up that my parents would have a party and they were trying to decide who to invite to their party. They're saying, well, Betty and Joe, they invited us at least five times, so we owe them an invitation. Right? But Sally and Sam, they had a party and they didn't invite us, so we're not going to invite them. Right? This is that kind of calculation. Just like there are some popular books about relationships between men and women, and they will say that men and women keep score. You understand keep score? No? Like in a, in a game, in a sport, there's a score. So one team, they get five points, another team, they get ten points, you understand? And in a game, there's how do you decide when you make a point? 
there's some rule. You know, if you throw, throw the ball over the line, then you get a point. So in relationships, we also give each other emotional points. Okay, that person did this for me. Okay, I give them one point or I give them 10 points. Do we tend to do this? Right? And sometimes people don't do things. We maybe give them negative points. <laughs> so there's these books that explain how do women give points, how do women have a score, and how do men have a score, and try to make your score even. Try to, try to make points with your, your partner. And they talk about emotional bank accounts. You know, make sure you put deposits into your partner's emotional bank account. So this is very much what the gopis are talking about here. Let me see how much you do for me, and then that will make me decide how much I do for you. I love you if you love me. Again, we see this quite often in relationships, whether husband and wife or parents and children or friends and friends. We see it even in our Hare Krishna movement. Somebody will say, you know, I lived in the ashram for 10 years and I distributed so many books and I did so, you know, I cooked so many times when nobody else was cooking and I did so much sacrifice and then the new temple president came and they said, we don't want you here anymore. Right? Have you heard this kind of thing? You know, I've given so much, what have they given to me? And we have this record sheet. One time many years ago, I was asked by a temple president to do a mediation where the temple had made an agreement with a householder couple. They had had a written contract. And then they had changed the contract many times, but they didn't put the changes in writing. They made the changes just verbally. And the temple authorities were very angry at these this couple, these two devotees, oh, they have broken the contract. And the couple was very angry at the temple, oh, they have broken the contract. But I couldn't figure out what the contract was because they had changed it so many times, just verbally. There was nothing in writing anymore. So then what I did was I just used numbers. So I figured out, I, asked, I interviewed the managers and the couple and the treasurer. Okay, how many hours did they do service? And then I asked the treasurer, well, how much money would you pay for that service? And we put a, a money amount on their hours of service and what facility you gave them a flat, you gave them prasadam, and everything we gave a number. Do you understand what I'm saying? So... Their service hours was worth this much money. The flat you gave them was worth this much money. The prasadam you gave them was worth this much money. And we figured it all out. What did they give? What did they get? And then we had a meeting with all the temple leaders and this couple, and we had all the, the math, and everyone could see that the couple had given about two or three times more than what they had gotten. Because the temple authorities were saying, oh, they're cheating us, they're cheating us. And everyone's looking at the numbers, and then everybody was just very quiet. And now they're all still friends. Ten years later, they're all getting along. And I told them, next time you have a contract, you have to have it in writing. <laughs> but this is this kind of arrangement. You know, I will do for you what you were doing for me. And as soon as we think, oh, this person is taking without giving then we become disturbed. The relationship gets broken. 
just like in this example I was giving, the temple authority, they were ready to throw these devotees out and, and write bad letters about them to other temples and these the devotees were, they were saying terrible things about management, it was really bad. And both of them were saying, we gave more and the other side gave less. We gave more and the other side gave less. So then there's the second kind of person. The second kind of person uh, they love even when they don't get anything back. They love those who give, and they love those who don't give. Somebody's nice to them, somebody's mean to them, they just love anyway. Right? And we sometimes see this also. We see some people who are just giving in kind, uh, no matter how other people treat them. Then the gopi said, there's also a third kind of example. They said, this is someone who doesn't love anybody. They don't love someone who loves them. They don't love someone who doesn't love them. They simply don't love anybody. All they think about is themselves. Or they're just ungrateful. They, they simply don't love. They're self-absorbed. And what were the gopis really asking? Right? They said, Krishna, we really want to know from you who's the best person. The person who loves just as much as they, as they get, they give. The person who loves whatever they get. And the person who doesn't love whatever they get. What's the best person? What do you think? Who's the most honest? You have to remember again, how were they feeling? They were a little angry, weren't they? Yeah. So what were they really asking? They were really saying, Oh Krishna, who are you? Which type are you? They said, you Please properly explain this to us because you know everything. And we're just foolish. We can't understand. So what were they really asking? This, of course, is from the Acharyas, mostly Vishnu Chakravati Thakur. He said, he said, these are these our three choices. Maybe you just love us as much as we love you. Maybe you love us even if we don't love you. And maybe you just don't love us at all. Which one is it? Okay, well, if you do love us, is it conditional? Is it based on some sort of condition? And well, no. I don't think that could be the case because we served you, we helped you fulfill your desires, and yet you neglected us. You've left us in the fire of separation. So you can't be someone who gives an equal exchange. That, that can't be the right thing because we're giving and we're not getting. Right? Do you ever feel like that with Krishna? Krishna says, but I don't know if you're doing that because I'm giving to you and you're not giving back. And then they're thinking, well, is your love unconditional? Sorry, when I played with the thing, it got messed up. I'll fix it by tomorrow. And they thought, no, well, that's not true either. You're not some unconditional person who loves people, even if those people neglect you. Because 
you seemed like you stopped loving us. We were in so much distress. I mean, the gopis were practically mad with distress. And you just left us for a long, long time in the forest. Of course, here the gopis are really talking about the nature of love that's giving and not taking. We were talking about this, yes, this morning. We were saying love is finding pleasure in the happiness of the beloved. So here the gopis are saying, well, you can't be like that. Because you don't seem to care whether we're happy or distressed. You don't seem to want to make us happy. And maybe, therefore, you're indifferent. Maybe you don't care at all. Well, no, that's not right either. Because, because you do things to make us happy and you do things to make us unhappy. You know, if you're actually indifferent, you don't do anything, right? Some person I pass on the street, I don't try to make them happy and I don't try to make them unhappy. I'm just neutral. I'm indifferent. They say, well, that, that doesn't seem to be you either. You're not just ignoring us. Huh, well, maybe you hate us. Maybe that's why you're making us suffer. Maybe you have enmity towards us. Are you always our enemy? No, that's not right either. Because sometimes you, you do love us. Sometimes you really do act loving towards us. Well, again, sorry, this is a little messed up. Are you, do you feel enmity towards us because we've done something to cause you to feel enmity? Well, no, that's not true either because we've only been favorable to you. So here the gopis are trying to put Krishna into to some mundane category. They're trying to see, you know, how does Krishna fit into some category of people in the world? And we really can't do that with Krishna. Krishna doesn't fit into any of our mundane categories of how people reciprocate and how people can reciprocate. So when we think like that, when we try to think about Krishna consciousness and Krishna in a material way, we simply become bewildered. And of course you see this, as Prabhupada would talk about, called them like the mundane wranglers and the mental speculators, Right, who are always trying to put Krishna into some material category and, and understand him like that. And of course they fail to do so. But even after coming to Krishna consciousness, we may still try to understand Krishna in terms of our mundane mind. So what's far better, again, is to have regular conversations with Krishna, to really appeal to the Lord in our heart, to open our own mind and our own heart Now, it's interesting that the gopis in this conversation, they were trying to make Krishna admit that he was ungrateful. And it's the very end of this conversation that made me decide I wanted to do a presentation on this. I was uh, listening to a reading of Ananda Vrindavan Champu. And when I came to the, the very end, what the gopis finally realized at the end, I thought, oh, I have to teach this. <laughs> But they were thinking, you know, let's find a way to criticize Krishna. Let's find a way to, for Krishna to admit, you're right, I haven't done the right thing. 
So their motive in this conversation was really to try to make Krishna look foolish. It's interesting in the austerities of speech, the five austerities of speech that Krishna gives in the Bhagavad Gita, to be truthful, to have a pleasing message, to use words that aren't agitating, to speak from the Vedas, and also to be beneficial. So our speech should be benefiting ourselves and others. So, of course, ultimately the gopis were thinking about benefiting Krishna because they were thinking that if Krishna admitted that he was ungrateful and that he was cruel, that that would aid their relationship by Krishna making this admission. But still, they were trying to make Krishna look bad. So we should go to Krishna from our heart, asking him, how can I understand you in a way that will benefit our relationship? How can I understand your dealings in such a way that will bring us closer together in love? And factually, if our whole society did this, if this was the general mood in our Hare Krishna movement, sometimes when we try to understand things, we try to understand things just by throwing quotes from the scripture at each other. Right? We're just arguing on the level of philosophy. And philosophy is important. But the real way to understand Krishna and to have our proper relationship with Krishna and each other is to be open in our heart to what Krishna is going to reveal. And know that Krishna is going to reveal something that is beyond our material conceptions. So tomorrow night we're going to look at Krishna's answers where Krishna opens up these three kinds of persons and says actually there are nine kinds of persons and Krishna describes the nine kinds of persons. So what we're going to be looking at tomorrow is Krishna's material analysis. Krishna is going to analyze the nine kinds of material relationships. That's what we're going to be looking at tomorrow. And then, the day after tomorrow, Krishna is going to reveal himself. Who is he? So tomorrow we're going to look at the nine kinds of material relationships, and we get to meditate on what kinds we have. And then on Thursday, we'll be looking at what is Krishna's relationship, how does he reciprocate, what kind of a person is he. So any questions or comments or discussions? Yes. A few times you came at this point of speaking to Krishna point I don't, my, don't find myself so often speaking to him and also not speaking to him with loud voice mm. and I just don't, don't know why uh, is, is it like I'm not doing my part in my relationship with him is it important to do it with a loud voice or can he just hear our mind or why should we speak to him because anyway he knows what we are thinking of you can elaborate a little bit on, on, on 
Why should we because speak to him at all? And also, I, I would say, my, let's turn my question that way. You, 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 you uh, uh, inspire us to speak, speak to Krishna. Why is it that, that, that it's so rare that I, I, maybe I'm the only one, maybe others are speaking regularly to Krishna? Yeah, something more in there to, to... Well, we see that this is how the gopis dealt with the situation. They talked directly to Krishna. I mean, first they were trying to figure it out among themselves. Maybe you could turn off the, yeah. the projector. First they were trying to, to figure it out among themselves. Okay, what kind of a person is Krishna? What category does he go into? And then they decided if we really want to understand, then we have to ask him. So I see that this is very important if we understand that Krishna is a person. If Krishna is a person, then we need to deal with him as a person. And how are you going to understand how a person is feeling unless you ask them? How are you going to understand their motives unless you ask them? It's just not possible. You know, I can think of so many cases where people were completely convinced that I was thinking or doing something that I wasn't. And all they had to do was ask me. So Prabhupada often says that Krishna is anxious to speak to you. He says Krishna is more anxious to speak to you than you are to speak to him. He says he's waiting. When will they talk to me? So I think it's just a question of, of practice. And of course, the more we talk to him, the more likely we are to know his side of the story. Of course, he may reveal it in many ways. You may not hear a voice from the sky. You know, it may not be like, Gor Hari, you fool! <laughs> Coming from the sky. <laughs> uh, but what I've seen is that Krishna does have very... Uh, it might, what's it, it's the sixth canto. It might cut Manubhava nam vikapa rahitasvayam. Bhusanalinga, I haven't said this for a long time. Bhusanalinga vikatma bhakti svati svaya. I haven't said that verse for a long time. But anyway, it's in the sixth canto that Krishna can speak through all of his different energies and all of his parts and parcels. So what I find is that when people ask Krishna, he answers. I mean, especially if you ask him a question that he wants to answer. And I find that he answers very quickly and very unambiguously. Again, you have to ask him something he wants to answer. Just like Prabhupada was one time asked, have you ever seen the demigods? And Prabhupada said, why are you asking this question? He said, if I've seen the demigods, what good will it do you? And if I haven't seen the demigods, what harm will it do you? Not absurd inquiries. But if we ask Krishna, what, what do I, what's my next step to do to make advancement? And please you know, show me how you're reciprocating with me. Of course, one trick is that one has to really want to know the answer. It goes off and on. Yeah, so one, there we go, that's better. One condition I found to asking Krishna, first of all, don't ask absurd things. Prabhupada says, blind following and absurd inquiries are condemned. So don't ask Krishna ridiculous questions that you don't need for your service, that you don't need to know the answer to. 
And then ask questions where you really want to know the answer, actually know the answer. Just like sometimes people come to us asking questions when they don't really want to know the answer. Everybody has experiences? Somebody comes to you, I have this problem, please help me, and you tell them the answer and they get angry. Everybody has experiences? They don't really want to know the answer. Even sometimes you say to them, are you sure you want to know? Or are you sure you want to know from me? I people sometimes ask me to edit their books, and I say, are you sure? I'm not just going to say, oh, very nice. I'm going to give you a real answer. And sometimes I say yes, and it's not yes. As soon as you say one thing is wrong. The other day, we were having a big program, and when the the cook brought out the prasadam, the rice was not cooked. It was hard. So one of the organizers went to the cook and said, the rice is not cooked. And the cook got very angry. How can you say the rice is not cooked? Come. Try it. Oh, you're right, it's not cooked. <laughs> so when you ask Krishna questions, you have to be willing to hear the answer. Krishna says the rice is not cooked. You don't argue with him. What do you mean, ma'am? So these are the criteria that I see. Talk about, talk to Krishna about things that will please him, that are important, where he where he wants to have a conversation with you about those things, and then be open to his answer. And I found that Krishna does answer. Again, if we're very covered, we may not hear him like the gopis could actually hear him and see him. But we'll hear him. You'll get an answer from, you know, the, uh, the purports, or you'll get an answer from the class, or sometimes you can even get an answer from some ordinary person on the street. I mean, that even happened to Srila Prabhupada. Prabhupada was publishing magazines. And just some ordinary person said, why don't you publish books? You all remember that? He said, magazines, people read and throw away. You should publish books. And Prabhupada said, yes. I will publish books. Or when Prabhupada had a stroke in America, he was in the hospital, and the doctor came and said, oh, this old man, he's praying too much. He should get some exercise. And the devotees were very offended. Oh, they offended Prabhupada. Prabhupada says, no, he's right. And after that, Prabhupada started taking a walk every day. But you can also just, you know, Talk to Krishna as, if, as our friend. He's our best friend. Suridam Sarabhutam. He's the only person who completely knows us and he's the only person who completely cares about us. There's nobody else. Even your mother, your father, your wife, your husband, your children, your, the other devotees in the temple. Nobody's going to care about us like Krishna does. Yes? Do you all know the story by Franz Kafka, Metamorphosis? At least the Germans should know. Do we have any Germans here? You should know that story. I feel German. You know the story. Okay. So it's a story about a man. He goes to sleep, and in the morning when he wakes up, he's not a man anymore. He's a big bug. He's a huge, like, cockroach. You know that story, yes. And the family, they don't love him anymore. 
So your, your, your dear wife, your dear son, your dear mother, you know, you go to wake them up in the morning. Instead of your mother, there's a big insect. But Krishna still loves us, so he's our best friend. Why not talk to him? Does that make sense? Start a habit of talking to Krishna. Actually, it was really funny. At the education conference we just did in, in Radhadesh, so about one and a half days before the conference, one of our main presenters contacted us and said, I'm sorry, I can't come. It was going to be a three-hour presentation, one of our most important presentations. And he just emails us, sorry, I can't come, there was an emergency. Now, as I was with one of the other organizers, and we just looked at the deities and said, what are you doing? What do you want us to do? So we contacted him. He said, okay, I'll make a video. And then during the conference, while the conference was going on, just a few hours before we were going to get his video, he contacts us and said, I'm sorry, I can't figure out how to make a video. So, you know, we had to... We had to walk, quietly walk out of the room and, and try to figure it out. And then we, we went to the deities and we said, what are you doing? What do you want us to do? Help! I mean, Prabhupada said that when he, he had his business and he was thinking that I'll make a lot of money and I'll be able to finance the preaching that Bhaktisiddhanta wants me to do. Bhaktisanta told him to preach in English and Prabhupada said, yes, you know, I'll start a business and that way I'll make the money to do the preaching. And then right when Prabhupada was ready to retire and be full-time in preaching, his business failed. And he lost everything. And Prabhupada said he was, he was asking Krishna, why are you doing this? Did I make a mistake? Are you punishing me? Are you angry with me? He said, ah, then I can understand. Krishna wanted me to start the preaching in a different way. And I've seen devotees go for years wondering what to do, how to do it, and then I say, ask Krishna. I say, but you have to be willing to hear the truth. And sometimes people won't do that. No, no, I don't want to ask Krishna if he's going to tell me the truth. Okay. Because when you ask Krishna, you have to be willing to hear what he has to say and reply. Make sense? Yes. Right? So sometimes when I say to people, ask Krishna to tell you the truth about yourself and your situation, they're like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> is that all right? Yeah, the, I mean, the only question that remains is how do we hear him? Oh, don't worry about that. He's good. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he's very clever. It's one of Krishna's qualities. He's very clever. He's very clever. And if you... If, if you want to hear what Krishna has to say, you will. And you'll know without a doubt that it's Krishna. There won't be any doubt. Of course, I mean, if you think it's something crazy, it has to be within Guru Sadhu Shastra. If you're, you know, if you're mentally ill and you imagine God is talking to you and telling you to jump off the roof or something, that's something else. 
But if you're with, if if, if it's within the the boundary of Guru Sadhu Shastra, you'll know. It'll be very obvious. There won't be any question. That's my experience dealing with so many hundreds of devotees like that. It's very obvious. Of course, you can argue later. The mind later can, you know, at the time, somebody will say, oh, I know it's Krishna. I'm thinking of one of my god brothers who was really, two years, he was just struggling, struggling with a, a situation in his life. And every two, three months, he would contact me. Please help me. And I said, ask Krishna to tell you what the real problem is. Ask him to tell you the truth and be willing to listen. He said, I'm not ready to do that. I said, okay. And he'd call me again after two, three months. Please help me. It's unbearable. It's horrible. I'm suffering so much. I don't know what to do. Should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do this? What's happening here? I said, ask Krishna. Tell him, please tell me the truth. I don't, I don't want to hear the truth. <laughs> this went on for two years and then finally, finally you know, I just kept saying the same thing I said, ask Krishna to tell you the truth and finally he said, okay he said, how long will it take? I said, not very long how will I know it's Krishna? I said, you'll know and the next morning he called me he said, now I know what the problem is <laughs> It's not always that fast. Sometimes it's a little longer than that. But it was very interesting. Because he was making it longer. <laughs> well, no, because you know, as soon as he asked, as soon as he actually asked, and I said, did you know it was Krishna? He said, oh, yes. There was no doubt. But sometimes afterwards, the mind will say, are you sure? Are you sure? Maybe that's too hard, or that's too easy, or something. There's a number of tricks the mind has also to convince you not to act on what Krishna tells you. That's Unfortunately, I know this very well. All the ways that Maya entraps you. So Sometimes even after it's very clear that it's Krishna, the mind will say, are you sure that was Krishna? Maybe you're imagining that. Or, no, that can't be the real solution. I mean, that's much too hard. Or, that can't be the real solution. That's much too easy. It's got to be something harder than that. Or, everybody should do that. How can I do it? Something. Or, I'm not ready for that. Or Maya has so many ways to say, no, 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 don't really listen. You know, my favorite example of this is Karna, where Krishna actually comes to him and says, leave Duryodhana and come to me. And Karna's like, well, but I owe Duryodhana a debt. How can I do that? He had so many excuses. But you'll know it's Krishna. It's quite obvious. He has, he has an unlimited number of ways of communicating with us. And it depends how gross we are. So if we're very gross, he'll use more gross means. You understand? If all you can understand are things like, you know, health and money and politics, and then he'll use that because that's all that you can hear. And if you can hear more subtle things, he'll be more subtle about it.
Jed, all right? Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Yes. I want to share with you my experience about talking with Krishna. Okay. I found it very important and I'm trying to do it every day before sleeping. And sometimes uh, it's really so powerful that Krishna is there, you know. Mm. And sometimes when I'm not in the mood of, of something, sometimes I'm too, I'm, I'm too tired or you cannot reach him. Really, if you ask him, he will, he will give you an answer. For me, it's, it's, it's so nice that I have this practice. What I'm thinking is, it inspired me to do it more often during the day, maybe two times or three times. Mm. Yeah. But every, every time when we are in, in front of the altar, we should speak with him, not just look at him. Yeah. Not just, oh, there's, yeah. oh yeah, there's God. <laughs> or, yes. or, or, or nothing. Yeah. Or nothing. Yeah. Oh, this is just another room in the building, right? Very nice. He is there. He is there. You should at least say to him, oh, you have today nice urban or nice shirt. Oh, you're reminding me of a, of a story that one Pujari told me. And this is a Pujari who regularly... Has, has dreams of the, de- of the deities that she's been worshipping for many, many years and regularly gets inspiration from the deities. So she told me one time she had a dream that, uh, that Krishna, she was in the Pujaya room and Krishna walked off the altar and walked with her in the Pujaya room and was showing her, I really like this turban and I really like it when you put this jewel on this turban and add it with this necklace and that goes, and oh, this is my favorite bracelet over here and just giving her a whole tour of the Pujari room and showing her everything and I don't like it when you, this one's not very nice and I don't like it when you put this on like this and explaining all these things to her and then in her dream another Pujari entered the Pujari room and Krishna ran quickly out of the Pujari room and jumped back on the altar and <laughs> but also you know I know many 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 devotees who say that when they've seen the deities they don't see Marble or brass, I actually see Krishna. So we know many instances like that. Sometimes just for a moment. And one story I know of with a Pujari that had been worshipping deities in one temple for about 30 years. And there was a visit from one sannyasi who used to live in that temple many, many years before, decades before, uh, before he was a sannyasi. So he came to visit and he was in the temple room looking at the deities and the pujari's there with her husband. And as they're all standing together, she's looking at the deities and it wasn't, it wasn't the deities there, it was Radha and Krishna. But she didn't say anything. She said about a week later, her husband said to her, um, when, when, that, when Maharaj was here a week ago and we were in the temple room, what did you see? There's so many. That Krishna's actually here. Krishna's actually here. And Prabhupada says he's waiting for us to talk to him. He simply wants us to be anxious to have a conversation with him. You know, in, in a lot of temples in the morning, we report to the deities about the book distribution scores. Yes, that's a practice in many temples. 
Prabhupada also talks about how it's an ancient practice also to read to the deities the financial reports. So I, I know one devotee just with her own deities in her own house that, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I would do this much, but she says every time she writes a letter, she reads the letter to her deities. Every time she receives a letter, she reads it to them. She's regularly giving them a financial report of whatever she's just doing in her own household, and she really treats them as the, as the masters of her house in a very personal way. Anything else? Anybody else? Thank you very much. Shiva Prabhupada Ki Jai. Jai.